This is July 27th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. This episode is packed. This episode, as you can tell by the time, I think is way longer than what we normally do. We normally try to go 30 to 35 minutes. Sometimes it goes over, but this is going to be over 40, I believe. Uh, this is a long episode and, and it was worth it. Connor and I had a lot to talk about. There's been a lot that's been happening. And it's funny. I was in York, Maine this past week. And when you're at the beach, you know, you take your mind off stuff and, you know, you start, to, you, you think of some things. And I was thinking about the Bruins a little bit. And there were some thoughts I had that I wanted to get flushed out on here. Why not? You know, it's a podcast. I get to talk with Connor about it. And there were some thoughts I had with the goaltending and with down the middle and with top four left shot defensemen that I just couldn't get out of my head that I just needed to kind of flush out. And, you know, I guess it only comes to you at the beach. You know, that's where all great ideas are born, at least for me. Um, beautiful weekend, by the way. Uh, but anyways, very packed episode, lots of stuff, a uh, little bit on the draft. And then we get into Krejci and because obviously Hall's resigned. What about Krejci? And then we get into left side of defense options. You know, the stuff out about Suter wanting four years, a lot of teams in on him. What other options are there? And I think there's some intriguing ones. That should be, should be looked at. And then we get into Rask waiting to have surgery, what that all means and, and goalies we definitely don't want to see in black and gold next year. Uh, so a lot in this episode. I think you really enjoy this one, but by the way, it's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The Red Sox are playing Patriots training campus here and soon the Bruins and the Celtics will be back. And even if you haven't made it to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at bet online, no matter how the schedules change. Or the players that play bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. And we even have an exclusive promo code for the best listeners in the world. That's you. So go to bet online and enter promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, CLNS50. You heard me. A 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, nobody beats that. Nobody. So what are you waiting for? Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50 for that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, what's going on? It's going well. Uh, the weather's nice again. You're home. You're home now. You're back from uh, from from Washington. How's it feel to be uh, back in back in New England in the summer? It's good. Got my the green screen is not working very well, but I have my my Dunkin' Donuts right here, so I'm officially back on the East Coast. Uh, good to be back. As you said, I, I lucked out in that. It seems like the weather is making a turn for the better since I've gotten here. So um, no complaints. It was good to get up to Washington though. It's, 
as much as people I think think that Washington's raining all the time, when I was there, it was sunny every day and a high of like 75, which is lovely in that my is humble peak. opinion. So yes, that is peak weather right there. I actually was on the other side of the country from you this past weekend, like the exact other side of the country. I was in Maine. Very I was nice. in beautiful York beach, which uh, actually Saturday was the nicest beach day. I think I've had like in forever. Like I can't remember a better beach day than Saturday. Beautiful weather. Temperature was perfect. No clouds. Just awesome. So much fun. Um, but people, the, the pictures you put on Instagram from Washington look sick. Like no, <laughs> some I, of that I stuff mean, crazy. Th- those are actually throwback pictures. Though. Those are actually the Quincy Quarries. Uh, oh, that's people right. Got, Forgot people about got that. Kind of the, the wires crossed there a little bit, but but still, Washington in and of itself is is very nice too. I'm sure if if I was out and about in the wilderness, I'd get good pictures. But those are the Quincy Quarries. Yeah, you stayed inside most of the time. There's yeah, no going outside. You you reminisced with those old pictures of the Quincy Quarries uh, and put them out on Thursday because, you know, who, who doesn't remember Throwback Thursday? Of course. Um, anyways, the, so things, a lot of Bruins stuff has happened. Uh, of course, we were both away for uh, – obviously, you had all the, the coverage going, and I was only away for like two days. Um, but the draft happened. The NHL entry draft took place on Friday night. Uh, we won't get super in-depth on rounds two through seven, just because it's hard to, you know, project those guys. We don't know a ton about them. You know, obviously good to see them draft two centermen. They drafted a goalie. Good to see them adding some defensemen. We'll see how those picks pan out. Brett Harrison posted a picture on Twitter of him in a Bruins jersey from when he was younger. So kind of like the Tavares uh, thing with the, exactly. the Maple Leafs pajamas. Exact same thing. Same thing. Um, but Fabian Lysel is an interesting case. Because for the first time in a long time, the Bruins drafted the best player available at their pick, at the 21st pick. They drafted speed and skill. They said, we don't care or not. We don't care, but they didn't seem to care as much about maybe that rumors about his character issues uh, Mm -hmm. with, with, uh, with the S S H L. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Um, Not used to any other HLs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's make one league. Um, But speed and skill and, that's what this prospect pool really needed right now. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one thing that I think if you're a Bruins fan, you have to be encouraged by the fact they took the best player available. They didn't go off the board or they didn't get a guy that, you know, has Logan tools. Logan Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Good job, Montreal. Um, just but, as they were yeah. becoming – just as the just as people were starting to come around and the Canadians and find them likable and palatable – like they, they can't do help that, and then it's gone. By, <laughs> it's gone. Comeback move like that. Um, but for the Bruins, you know, in terms of who they they picked, it's one thing that I think it's encouraging they didn't get a guy that you know was either off the board or a guy that maybe has skill or has a, a, a tool set that they like, but was you know further down the list. Like let's say they got like Tyler Boucher, which like would have made plenty of sense. He ended up going ten overall, but I think he was projected like in the fifties. Um, but he's a guy that fits the mold, right? If they got him at, at 21 or yeah, 21 overall, then you'd be like, okay, like it's the most Bruins pick of all time, kind of reaching a little bit. Um, you don't really know whether that's good value there. You get a guy like Lysel, who people thought was going to be gone in the teens. That's already good in terms of adding a, a guy that's probably above where you slotted him in that spot. And then too, as you said, it's, you know, his style of play. He's just all skill um, in a draft where a lot of the, the knock on these prospects is, is skating. Uh, he's probably the best, if not one of the best skaters out there in his draft class. Um, and of course, you know, he struggled a little bit when making that jump up to the SHL, which granted he's playing against 28, 29, 30, you know, he's playing against grown ass dudes. So, um, 
there's going to be that that adjustment period for all teenagers that are in a spot like that. But when you see him up against his own, uh, you know, U18, uh, you know, U20 group, you see the skill come out. And if he's able to continue to work on that and, you know, adjust to the, you know, tougher competition, the bigger bodies, uh, when he makes it over to North America, he has to adjust to the, the smaller rink and all those things. Um, you know, you've got a guy that at the very least, I don't even want to put him as a boom or bust prospect, but as a guy that, has plenty of skill that has legitimate top six, at least middle six potential to be a scoring winger, which when you look at kind of who else they draft, especially at forwards, it's a lot of guys that maybe have easy floors to chat, but their ceiling is pretty limited, right? You've got a lot of bottom six, maybe, maybe a middle six guy, if it all pans out, but with Lysel, you have a, a guy that I think Bruins fans should be excited about, which you haven't had in a long time in terms of just charting out the ceiling of these guys. Yeah. I was going to say not since, Vakanainen or McAvoy, have they picked a guy in the first round who had legitimate, you know, top mm-hmm. potential? Uh, and I think it kind of reflects for a long time uh, with their drafting where they wanted to draft, you know, they, they knew they had their core in place. They knew they had the Bergerons and the Krejci's and the Charas uh, and the Rasks. They knew it was set in place. You know, you go back to the, you know, the, the early 2000s, middle 2000s, especially, uh, or 2010s, not the early 2000s, early 2010s uh, and middle 2010s where the core was in place and they kind of wanted, you know, guys who you could project their ceiling a little bit better. Um, whereas now it's, you need to rebuild a little bit on the fly again um, and kind of get ready for this after this window ends, you know, injecting some speed and skill uh, into the lineup. It sure seems like Fabian Lysel fits that bill uh, quite a bit. Another interesting thing, I mean, you know, Brett Harrison, again, is another one people like a lot, you know, guy that mm-hmm. could definitely project into a full-time NHL or a lot of people like him six, two. Um, so a good solid size centerman from, from the CHL. Like finally, I think first time since <laughs> 2017, they got a guy from the CHL. Not bad. So not too bad. That's encouraging. Encouraging. Drop uh, Canadians. It's almost like they're really good at hockey. I know. And not a lot of, lo- no local guys in this one. No local guys. Usually we're, yeah. we're used to the local people. Um, BU and BC t- uh, commit though. So. Oh, that's true. That is true. I forgot about the BCBU at the end of the draft. Uh, as you tweeted out, everything balances out. Um, yes. Okay, so another thing that happened over the past week was Taylor Hall re-signed four years, six million per. We expected that. That was not something that surprised many people. Um, we both said, I think on both shows last week, like we expect it to happen very soon. It did. Um, of course, after our shows ran. But we, I think on Poke the Bear, we assumed we acted. Yeah, we, 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 we rolled with it. Yeah, we just assumed it was fact, and it ended up obviously uh, being fact. Now the focus turns to David Krejci. Now we'll get to Tukarask, uh later in this show because there's some updates with him. But with David Krejci, I, Sweeney's comments last week were interesting with Krejci in the sense that um, Sweeney obviously said we're going to respect his privacy. We've been in contact. He's yet to make a decision. Uh, but he said one interesting thing, and he said there's no timeline. And my first thought was why? Why is there no timeline? You have to – Signing opens this week for free agents. Why would you, why would you, why would you say there's no timeline? That's a pretty big piece to not know what he's going to end up doing because that's your second line center. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's right up there with Hall. I think in terms of, you know, dominoes that have to fall before the offseason really ramps up. He's right up there, David Krejci, in terms of I think gauging just how far you think this team can go because, um, you look at just the other options that the Bruins would turn to if they don't have Krejci, it gets pretty dour pretty quick, right? I mean, you've got 
there was rumors about them trading for Christian Dvorak from Arizona, who is an okay player, but I don't think he's necessarily a, a 2C. You know, maybe they think he can develop into one if you put him with Hall, who knows, because he had good numbers with him in Arizona, but still not the best option. Free agency, you know, probably Philip Deno is the best option. Um, great defensive player. I don't know if you're going to get the most, you know, the potential offense out of that group that you would get with Krejci when you've got Hall with him. And again, also, I think he's going to cost a lot of money, Deno. Uh, you know, are you looking at like a Paul Stastny, who's uh, like an age. older vet? Yeah, like uh, who's not as good as David Krejci. So you look at all the options, David Krejci far and away makes the most sense in terms of one – value in term, which he's probably going to sign a short-term deal at below what he made uh, the last couple of years at 725. And so thank you, put him with Hall and whether it be Craig Smith or another player, he'd still put up like a 70 point season. If he's with these guys, if they played the level they played last year in the regular season. So he's far and away the best option. It's about just waiting to find out what he wants to do because um, I think when you map out the, the backup plans Bruins have, David Krejci makes far and away the most sense, but they need to find out about him, you know what his plans are soon because you can't go into this off season, I think, and be like, all right, we're gonna, I don't know, target you know Coleman and uh, McCabe and Suter and all these guys, but then you have this huge vacancy at two C. If you don't know that and don't know whether you have to divert some of this cap towards a guy like Dano or another center then it gets dicey, right? So you hope that going into Wednesday at noon when Fragency opens, they either have a deal signed or they've, they're just waiting to cross, cross the T's and dot the I's because he's right up there, I think, with Hall in terms of, you know, you still have a good team, but in terms of charting just how far you can go, you need, I think, David Krejci in the fold, uh, barring some crazy trade. If they traded for, like, Sam Reinhardt, who can play center, then, you know, we, we'd know that they'd be moving on, but... Unless you're getting Eichel, which you're not getting Eichel this year, then I don't know what exactly the the, the go-to move is if Krejci doesn't want to come back. Yeah, I, I don't see there being a deal imminent at the moment. I think this is going to take some time. You know, I, some people are comparing it to Chara. I think this is way more urgent than Chara. Chara was also way older. Like, I, I think there are other teams who would definitely go for Krejci. I know he says he doesn't want to go anywhere else. If someone comes in there with a lot of money, maybe that does it. Maybe the check becomes even more, you know, he's leaning towards there. Um, you know, Sweeney's words exa- weren't exactly encouraging. Uh, by the way, Riley Nash is a free agent. So maybe Riley Nash, a little reunion with rekindle, the Bruins. Rekindle that Bruins magic. Eh, get that going again. That seemed to work in 2017-18. Uh, but no, I mean, when you look at the free agent cor- uh, crop, there's nobody better than Krejci that you could sign at, at solid money or even just better at, than Krejci in general, a fit that he's been with Hall um, and with Craig Smith, which makes me think, which makes me think, Barring, let's say Krejci doesn't come back. Barring there's no big trade. I think because they were so willing to play the kids on defense last year after Chara, it makes me think that they're just going to do this internally. This is not going to be a position that they go out and make a huge trade with. This is not a position that they go out and sign someone. This is going to be a position where they bring Coyle up. They say, we're going to put you with Holland Smith. We expect more production out of you. And they're going to try Stanika on that third line potentially. And they have Curtis Lazar for the fourth, or they try Trent Frederick somewhere. This is, I think just going off of what they did on D last year, where they wanted to play the kids, where they wanted to see what they had. If Krejci does leave, that would be, that would be the perfect opportunity to see what you have in Stadnika, what you have in Frederick. Now, do I agree with that? Not really. I think Krejci needs to be brought back 
or you need to have some sort of plan in place to make a trade for a top six centerman. Because again, this cup window is closing. You need to bring the band back as much as you can. I don't see Coyle putting up Krejci's numbers. I don't see Stadnika, you know, blossoming. Maybe he does. Maybe Stadnika does work on that third line. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, given what the Bruins have done in the past, I would not be surprised to see them just play the kids and just completely fill that role internally. Yeah, which I guess is maybe the best option beyond, you know, signing Dano. But still, in terms of meshing with this win-now window, then it's kind of definitely a tough pill to swallow just because it's so much uncertainty. You know, it's you don't really know what you're getting out of that third line with Sidnika, who... By all accounts, I think Mark Diver said he was uh, added about 10 pounds of muscles, which is encouraging. But still, you don't know, you know, you can't go into the year, I think, expecting him to be uh, a 40-point guy, right? And that's a key role that he's going to be thrown into. It's not like it's in this window you're in. You rolled in, suit you having him. You've got a guy that also on that third-line role, let's say Jake DeBrusque is back. You need a center that's going to drive play and get him going uh, in this year. You know, you don't know who's going to be on the, the right side, whether it's Kasha, or if it's a guy they sign in free agency, like you're not signing, I think, a guy Richie. like, yeah. I mean, if you even look at like free agency, like let's say they sign Blake Coleman, you're not signing Blake Coleman to help drive your third line with Jackson Nika in the middle, right? Like uh, at least that's what you hope doesn't happen. And I'm sure Blake Coleman would be happy if his third line center is, is Jackson Nika. So it's definitely a, a tough situation where there's so many moving parts involved and all of them really can't get started until you have a definitive answer for what Dave Creech is going to do. So from Bruins' perspective, I'm sure they'd love to have him back for another year or two. It fits right in with the window that they've kind of carved out for themselves. So uh, if he doesn't come back, uh, I'm not saying the season is lost by any means, but it's definitely, you're going to have to take a longer look at this, this team and how they're built in terms of being prime contenders because David Krejci plays a key role in that, especially outside of that top line. And this isn't to say Stadnika is going to be crap or never going to turn into anything. But again, just going off of, I, you know, what we've seen. I mean, going into last season, we talked about, you know, him slotting in in the top six and, and blossoming and all these things. So I think it's just being skeptical about it. And again, every player comes into training camp feeling the best they've ever felt in the best shape they've ever been. I mean, remember the Bacchus stuff um, mm-hmm. every year, it felt like he was kind of, Oh, I worked with this coach and this, that coach. And I did this and it's just doesn't, you need, you need to see what they're like in games. And I don't think it's safe enough for the Bruins. Now, if the Bruins were a middle of the road team, if there were a team that was teetering on rebuild, if this was like the 2015 Bruins, you might say, yeah, try Sidnika at third line. What do you have to lose? Like go for it. You see what you got or try Trent Frederick as your third line center. Um, but I, I don't, I don't personally think, uh, that that is the route that they should take, especially given, um, uh, the cup window that they have, which is again, closing fairly fast. Um, so on to other things. Uh, one position I think the Bruins definitely will go out and add with, uh, they will not, uh, th- there's a lot of smoke around top four left shot defensemen for the Bruins. And typically when that happens, they're not just doing that. That usually ends up coming to fruition. They, they, they make a move there. And, and I think that's where the moves are going to be made. Um, especially is going to be on D and right before we started recording, Alec Martinez uh, re-signed with Vegas for 5 million per could have got a lot more on the open market, but likes Vegas. He's also won a cup or he's won two. Um, so I, I obviously, you know, winning a cup is important to him, but I think it's also just being in a good situation and he has that uh, out in Vegas. So props to him. 
props to him. Secured the bag, secured, you know, happy to be in Vegas, all that stuff. But that's another top four left shot defenseman off the board for the Bruins. So now what do you have? You have Ryan Suter, who now is going to be bid on probably quite a bit. So when it comes to things like these, I feel like the Bruins always kind of go off the board a bit, whether it be a trade with someone, you know, that you you don't see coming. Like Mike Riley, nobody saw coming this past Mm -hmm. year. Charlie Coyle, um, Marcus Johansson was a Um, target-ish. You can go down the list of guys that it's not really like the, the most obvious move in the world. And I was reading uh, Sunday night, Elliot Friedman put out a blog um, about, you know, prior to free agency week, he did some predictions and he mentioned two interesting uh, left shot defensemen that I, I, I looked into a bit and he mentioned how uh, with the Seth Jones signing, which is hilarious, hilarious, 9.5 yep. million per for eight years for a team that's not contending. That is and they also gave up, what did they give up? Boquist, two firsts, right? Yep, two firsts. I think even more, right? I think there's other draft capital involved in it. So I think there was a second as well. It was everything. Yeah. They gave up a haul and they paid Jones a ton, a ton, which that's a whole nother thing. Again, I, I don't even think Charlie McAvoy will make that. Like, I, I wouldn't be, I, with the way that the Bruins are with signing their own guys, wouldn't be surprised to see him come under. And McAvoy should be making a lot more than Seth Jones. Yes. Um, but with Jones's signing, it's going to lead to the Blackhawks are shopping Nikita Zadorov, who's a big six foot six left shot defenseman, pretty solid in his own zone. Um, and then another uh, thing Friedman predicted was uh, he predicted that Derek Forbert would sign with the Bruins. Derek Forbert, uh, I believe he's six two. He was with the Winnipeg Jets this past year. Uh, I think he's a former first round pick as well, which is nuts. Um, but anyways, two names. Not exactly the biggest names in the world, which again falls in line with what the Bruins usually do, uh, when it comes to little openings like that. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go after either one of these guys. Now, Zadorov, you would have to trade for because he's an RFA. Uh, but Forbert is a UFA. You just sign him. Um, neither, I, Forbert is not going to cost you a lot. Zadorov might co- would definitely cost you more. Um, and it also cost you a trade. I was looking at both of their advanced stats. Now, both were on teams that are not great defensively Chicago especially not great defensively um, and Winnipeg wasn't either both had advanced stats uh, that would fall last on the Bruins would not be uh, you know they'd be last in every major defensive category expected goals against per 60 Corsi four per 60 and high danger chances against per 60 Um, but I do wonder if if they came to Boston if they were in the Bruins system and Obviously, the Bruins are a much better defensive team than both of those. I do wonder if those would be intriguing options as top four left shot defensemen. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's especially kind of depends on what you sign them for, because I think we've said this before that I think the left side needs at least two guys added to the mix. Like, I think you need uh, it's going to change quite a bit if you lose out on Suter, which seems like there's a lot of teams involved that it could get pretty dour that you're signing maybe a couple of second pair, third pairing guys into a role kind of above what they're expected. Like I think Zadorov and, you know, guys like that, it's a situation where they're probably better suited as like just physical third pairing guys, but they're probably going to get either signed for, or, you know, brought into a role where they're higher up than that, which makes it a little bit tougher because, uh, you know, Zadorov, it's easy to see why people like him, right? I mean, he's a gigantic human being, lays out guys, um, you know, it's a situation like that where 
he'd be great if he's just kind of that he's like a Russian Adam McQuaid where it's just he's like in that third uh you know third pairing role but you look at what his contract was I think he made three three point two million last year so he's probably due for around the same if not more going forward which for a third pairing guy can get pretty pretty dicey um Derek Fulbert it's another situation where you see how much he gets how much he gets paid again if it's a third pairing role or something like that I think there's a lot of intrigue because checks off the boxes of what you're looking to add to the mix, right? Of, you know, bigger player, uh, can kill penalties, good in their own zone. Even if their offensive ceiling's a little bit limited, don't forget you've got McAvoy and Grizzly and other playmakers. You know, if you get Ryan Suter, you've got another legitimate offensive player up there. So I think those guys fit into the mix in terms of, I think, like the – in terms of free agent targets, right? There's like I think you need to get a 1A and a 1B, more or less, in free agency in terms of defensemen. So I think 1A – at this point now is more or less just Suter, which is going to be dangerous considering there's a good chance he had just come up short to, to get him. But after that, whether it's, uh, you know, Zadorov or Fulbert or like McCabe, who I think could be a very, very good, you know, second, third pairing guy. I think you need to get one of those players into the mix as well. So any of those guys fit the bill. I think Fulbert's probably, you know, been overlooked a little bit in terms of what he brings. Again, it's not flashy, but uh, I think, you know, we're, you look at his last couple of years, especially in terms of competition, he was handed a whole bunch of, you know, D zone stats, a lot of top six matchups and more or less held his own, which I think is something you can see as just being a, a good value find for what he brings to this team. Kind of like how on the right side, Hockenpah is the same way where it's a, a guy who's big physical, had tough assignments, but defensively mapped out very well considering what his matchups were. So I wouldn't be, you know, opposed to, you know, signing a guy like Fulbert. It just depends on, I think, what the cap's going to be. If you sign him for, to a, you know, a three and a half, four million a year, then you're like, oh, okay. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then it's like, all right, well, I'm not sure what exactly role you're expecting him to play in. But if you walk away out of this free agency without barring any trades, because I don't think that home's getting moved now, but especially after the draft. But um, if you walk out of free agency with, a suitor or a McCabe or one of these guys, then you're in a much better spot than you were uh, just a few weeks ago in terms of just the makeup of this decor. Cause I think you you can look at the different personnel and there's guys that are worth spending money for and others that aren't, but in terms of just what profile of player you're looking for, you need bigger physical guys. And quite a few of these guys fit that mold of what you need to add to this defense. See, I look at the Mike Riley stuff and you hear Sweeney and they're talking and Sweeney also mentioned that Riley could probably get a lot more on the open market. And I think that is the case. To me, I look at it and I just think, you know, and we've said this multiple times, you have Grizzly. You have the smaller left shot mobile defenseman. You have a Sean coming up as well down the pipeline. I don't know if you need Riley as well. If you can come out of this offseason, obviously, I think the ideal thing on the left side to come out of this offseason would be Suter, Grizzlick, and McCabe, or Suter, Grizzlick, and Forbert at a good price. But let's say they can't get Suter. Let's say Suter is taken by the Islanders, Lou Lamarillo sweeps in and gets Suter and Parise, and, and he gets their version of uh, Palmieri and, and Zajac for, from last year. Then what do you do? Well, you have Grizzlick. Do you re-sign Riley? I say no. I say you try to get a Forbert and maybe a McCabe and try to make that left side work and you see who fits best where, because then, mm-hmm. you, you know, Forbert and McCabe can play those tough minutes. Maybe Zadorov. Hey, Bruins fans would die to have Zadorov. They'd have another Z 
He's big. He hits. I mean, he like people would you'd see like you know Polly in the back of the balcony foaming at the mouth over how oh, you there would, the there would be end. a lot of good uh, shirts being bootleg shirts being sold on Causeway if you had Zadorov. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, be, and it'd I do. Be the, it'd be the Ivan Drago. Like I must break you. <laughs> it'd be that, but it'd be Nikita Zadorov's face on it. Some people would be like, "Who's this guy?" And they'd be like, "Oh, he's Nikita Zadorov. He's six foot six. He's a huge, you know, he's a humongous Russian man who just crushes he's, everyone. That's he's all a he big boy know. in the back end." And they're like, "I'm sold." Uh, I don't yeah. even have to know what he looks like, what his number is. I'm watching that dude. Um, I do wonder the Zadorov thing, obviously, because he's an RFA. You'd have to, you would have to trade something for him. I wonder if that's a deal in which DeBrusque would go the other way. In I thought about that. And I said, eh. obviously, you, you, I always think DeBrus can get more, but then the NHL mm-hmm. always surprises me with their deals. Like, I feel yeah. like we always get blindsided. You know, guys go for way less or they go for way more. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. I wouldn't. Um, if that did happen, if, if they were to trade for Zadorov, I would not be surprised to see DeBrusque be what goes the other way in that. Um, wouldn't love it. Would not love yeah. that. Um, I'd be like Richie, but... Yes. In terms of an RFA for RFA swap, but yes, I would way rather that be the case. Yes. But I wouldn't be surprised to see that be maybe the asking price. Um, and again, I don't have any intel on that. That's just what I kind of wouldn't be surprised to see. Um, but yeah, I think again, if they could uh, realistically, if they can come out of this with one to two, preferably two, uh, left shot defensemen, whether that be Forbert, McCabe, Zdorf, whoever, I wouldn't hate that. But again, Suter, I feel like is still, um, the main target on the left side before we go. There was another thing Sweeney mentioned, and it's that Rask is just now having hip surgery, which is odd because the season ended, what, June 9th? <laughs> so it is almost two months after the season ended, and he's finally getting surgery. Now, I don't think Sweeney ever explained why he waited, unless I missed <laughs> that, but I don't think he did. First of all, why is he waiting this long? Which I I don't really quite understand why. I mean, I get why he wants to go home and like, you know, be a human being again and not be confined to to like a space in Boston. But I'm just kind of curious why he didn't, why he's waiting so long. And then I want to also kind of get to some options that people have been rumored about or people have been talking about for who could replace him. But like, I I don't understand why he's waiting this long. Yeah. I mean, it could be a whole bunch of different factors. I know sometimes it's, when athletes need to go under the knife, it, it's pretty bang, bang in terms of how they're able to schedule some things. But there's also, I think, didn't Chris sale when he had Tommy John, uh, like have it be delayed quite a bit just because of like COVID and like being backed up the line. So I think it was, it could, it could be a situation like that where it's things, you know, major procedures are still backed up in terms of uh, the doctor that, you know, performed the surgery, uh, you know, that could play into it. Uh, I know hip injuries can be pretty tricky in terms of waiting for inflammation and stuff like that to die down. Granted, I don't think it's two months worth, but it could be a situation where you have to have that, you know, settle out more or less because I mean, he'd been playing for it for, you know, pretty much over a year. Uh, so that could be a situation where you have to have the inflammation go down and, and, you know, have it settle before you can kind of go in and, and dice it up. So, um, again, that's, that's more or less speculation on, on my part in terms of what, you know, why it took so long. Uh, you hope it's one of those reasons in- instead of willingly let this timetable you're on extend for another month or two, which uh, we'll probably find out once. I imagine once they he undergoes surgery, we'll probably get an update in terms of the projected, you know, recovery timeline and, you know, what that's going to be. Because if it's all sudden now, February, March, 
then it gets pretty dicey, right? If it's still in that same January, February window, then maybe that was the plan all along that whether it be scheduling or, uh, you know, his overall recovery timeline, then it would make more sense. But I don't think we're going to get a, a, a clear picture probably until he actually undergoes a surgery and, and gets that done. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see as you are, what happens with that. I think we both agree that Swayman and Vladar to start the season is not the move. Again, both young goalies. It's really tough to have uh, both guys be on their game um, and not know what to expect out of either. I mean, again, Swayman only played 10 regular season games. Looked amazing, like amazing, but it's only 10 games. It's hard to completely bank on him for a season. You can say he's the goalie of the future, but to actually have him be the starter on a team that is looking to go to the Stanley Cup is tough. That's just how it works. But there are some interesting older free agent options uh, in net. I mean, again, Halak is officially gone. That is not, he's he's not not returning. He's not coming back. That has been announced. Uh, Credit to Alan Walsh, by the way, for not making a big deal out of it. You know, he just kind of, I think he tweeted it or he Mm. said it to someone. Uh, So exactly not, not a huge, you know, picture of Sweeney putting a sword in the back of Halak or anything crazy like that. Um, But what is interesting, what is interesting is there's one name that's kicked around. He's not even a free agent. He's it's Braden Holpe out in Vancouver. You know, Vancouver wants to buy him out. Um, and that's one name that's being kicked around as maybe a guy who could come in. And no, absolutely not. No, you don't want Braden Holpe near your team. And we said this last off season. We, this was people were saying this last off season and Vancouver went and signed him to four, uh, two years, 4 million per awful. And I was looking at the stats last night, every single advanced. It's even stat, worse now, than you think. It's worse than you think. It's like, I thought he was like bottom declining. 15. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't think he was this horrible. And I'm not going to go stat by stat because it's hard to you know, podcast. People are like, this is, this is boring, but you can go down the line and he's bottom five in every stat, every single stat he's bottom five in high danger, save percentage. Granted yet he was behind a shitty Canucks defense. Like I, I will give him that crappy Canucks defense. But Hellebuck's behind a horrible or behind a bad defense in Winnipeg. Thatcher Demko wasn't terrible in Vancouver. Holpe was terrible. Holpe was awful. <laughs> like the numbers, if you want to go check them out, go to Natural Stat Trick and look at them yourself. They're terrible. This is not a guy you want, even at a million, a million and a half. I don't care that he won a cup a few years ago. I don't care that he used to kill you whenever he'd play you, play the Bruins. I don't care. He's not good. Stop with the whole, you know, oh, the Bruins are going to, you know, sweep in and get Holpe on the cheap. No. Let another team make a stupid decision like that. Like like the Canucks getting Oliver Ekman Lassen's contract. Which is also hilarious. Dump, and now <laughs> having to dump Holpe's contract. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, the Bruins being interested in that and just broke out into a cold sweat. Because I know what the argument's going to be is that he's won, so he's better than Rask when oh. he's been a below-replacement below level player for – Years now, like he's been dog shit. So uh, I know that argument's coming. The Bruins somehow get in the mix or there's rumors about it. Oh, Connor, he's a winner. You don't get it. He's a winner. Yeah, he has a hit an 897 save percentage, uh, his last year with the Capitals. And that's why they replaced him with uh, uh, Vitek Vanacek and Sam Sonoff and all those guys that the Bruins roasted in the playoffs. That that was a better option than what Brighton Holby brought them. But um, yeah, if, if that's a guy that's very concerning, whether even if they're eating some of the cap, the Vancouver Canucks, and it's a one-year deal, I don't know how you go into it. Cause then you also run into the mix of is Braden Holpe 
your replacement for Rask? Like, what happens if Rask comes back? Are you just sticking with him? Like, are you kicking Holpi to the curb? Or, you know, it's one thing to do it if it's like a a veteran journeyman like uh, Craig Anderson, who's just there for insurance, right? Um, but if it's Brayden Holpi and you got Rask joining in, and again, you have to sign Rask if you want him back. Again, we talk about this all the time. It's a bunch of moving pots, but I don't know how Holpi an established data who granted is not good, but he's still an established guy fits kind of what you're looking at. If you're looking for just a, a stop gap before Ras comes back. You mentioned, uh, and this just made me break into a cold sweat. You mentioned the whole argument of, you know, Holpe being a winner and winning a cup and Rask not. And you know that there's a large portion of the city of the fan base. that's going to be, that's going to say that, 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 that is going to make that argument. And it's like, take five minutes just five minutes and look at the stats just please please i know some of you out there i get it i totally get it you know you're not like us you're not nose deep in stats and stuff and and, and that's fine just before you tweet about it please 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 look at the stats that's all that's all i ask that's all i ask because the stats are horrible and i and again it surprised me last night when i was looking at them Interesting people. I mean, Curtis McElhaney, not great, but maybe, you know, for a few months for like $900,000, maybe that's something. I mean, I'm not too big on it. Craig Anderson's another uh, you mentioned. So there's options out there in the free agent market. I don't think this is like center. Like Again, you're not looking for a starting goalie for the forever. You're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, just a a guy who can step in, who you know, you know what you're going to get out of. Um, and I think they need that definitely badly. Um, and I'm interested to see what they do because I would, when signing opens, I would not be surprised to see them kind of do something with a guy in net. Um, cause again, I don't, you can't play the kids in net. You can't go into the season with swimming. You know, you can dick around with it on defense. You can even do it at center, but in net, that's not exactly a uh, winning plan, uh, going into next season. Uh, that is today's episode before uh, we leave Connors or anything that you would like to plug. Yeah, we're going to be obviously looking at once things ramp up on Wednesday, we'll be breaking down uh, all the Bruins uh, free agency targets, who they get. Hopefully they have signed a few guys by Wednesday or Thursday and record uh, our next episode of Poke the Bear. So we can break that down. Um, but we'll have all the reaction, uh, you know, breakdowns, all that good stuff over at BHJ as the news drops. So uh, follow us and subscribe over at com. You know, follow me on Twitter. You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that for CLNS Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins be listeners. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs>